Welcome to the Kinjas Podcast. Here we will discuss dance, life, and whatever the f we want. Folks, today we have Dante Bosco in the pod. Super stoked for this one. Dante is one of those OG dudes that I think all of us in this room grew up watching. Obviously, Rufio is kind of what he's most known for. But I think what I really got out of this conversation was him talking about his career as a child actor to obviously many years in the game to where he's at now from being an actor to now also making films. I think his experience and his mentality and how he's grown in the industry, I think it's a very, not only a mature look, but very inspiring to us guys who grew up watching him and followed his career and also kind of paralleling in some ways where we're at in our career right now. So I thought that was really dope in this conversation. I mean, he's a dancer turned just like legend and icon. So that's obviously just close to home and relatable. You know, for us, we always try to respect and acknowledge the fact that we champion as best as we can, you know, representation and the Asian American experience and whatnot. But this guy is, is literally the dude that kind of started it all. Yeah. Sit back, enjoy this one. This dude is for real a legend in the game and uh, we can't be more honored to bring him to your ears today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back or welcome to Kinja's Movement in the Shadows. We are your host, Ben. And I'm Anthony. And today we have a very big inspiration to us all in the pod today. We have actor, producer, spoken word artist, podcast host, and recently a director. You might recognize his voice as Prince Zuko from Nickelodeon's Avatar The Last Airbender. Repping the Street Freaks Breaking Crew. What? What? And the leader of the Lost Boys. Yes. What? AKA Rufio? Rufio, AKA Dante Bosco is in the pod. What's up? Hey, Dante's your AKA. It's good to be in the Dojo podcast. The Dojo Don't make us cry, man. No, no, this is the Dojo. See, you know, y'all live with the Dojo. Well, this is the cave. This is the cave, yeah. Yeah. Which is which is what we called our our sort of lounge at the dojo. We called it the cave, so we just brought the cave. Or the cave. It's good to be here. I mean, I've I've done many many shows with Ann over here with JK News. Shout out to shout out to JK News. Forget that. Um, <laughs> but it's good to be. I've been a fan of you guys forever. Thank you. And We've been some... fans of you for many many. Dude, we grew up for on like you, decades. Man. Yo. Yes. I appreciate we, that. We, we can get into all that stuff, but uh, we always start with like the beginnings and the of origins. Of I saw you. I mean, it started where y'all. I mean, y'all threw out the Street Freaks, which is street freaks. super dope. But, yeah, let's get into all that. So, like, let's get into you know where you grew up. Look, I got love things. for y'all. I got love for the Kinjas. I got love for you know the all like the Asian dance crews that came up, Jabberwockies, mm, yeah. you know, Cabo Modern is like. Seeing those y'all, are two of my OG crews, yeah, girls, Kaba and then Jabberwock. You know what I'm saying? I got love for those crews because we, because I'm a b boy. Like that's where me and my brothers come from. We started from the ground level of the entertainment industry. Yeah. That's where we started. And then like, where is that? And I was like, it's different for everybody. They're like, is it extras? Is it, is it this? Is it that? I'm like, nah. For us, it was the actual street. Yeah. Like we was street performers on the streets of San Francisco, just kids. So you B-boy. Grew up in the Bay? In the Bay, yeah. Okay. We're from Pittsburgh, California. And it's just a little a little cutty town outside of uh, outside of the city. Hip hop just came 
to the West Coast. B-Boying came to the West Coast. We fell in love with it. It went from like us loving Kung Fu Theater on Saturday mornings, yep. right? Yep. And cartoons and everything. And that kind of turning into what we loved in hip hop and then B-Boying and seeing movies like Beat Street, Breaking, yep. that kind yep. of stuff came. But also the music that came to us and like and i tell people back then it's like there wasn't no east coast west coast shit that we grew up with in the 90s it was like there's one song came from new york Mm -hmm. and then it was everybody's song and everybody did a routine to that song our first competition we went in you signed up with your crew and you marked what song you there's only four songs there was four (laughs) like did you do your routine to one of these four songs like you can only have four songs it's like the west coast it was like white lines clear Planet Rock, yeah, and Egyptian Lover, yeah. like yeah, it was yeah. like those are those are four songs yeah. you did your routine. That's it. Yeah. We probably would have done Egyptian Lover. Egyptian Lover was banging. Yeah. Those, <laughs> so it's like every song that came was like that was my jam. And so we just started b boying and just making up moves, you know, biting a lot of just looking at the older guys doing routines with you know inspired by yeah. them. We became this crew called the Street Freaks. Was me and my brothers, Street Freaks. I was popping fresh. Poppin' Fresh. Poppin' Fresh. Yeah, I became Defrost later on, but Poppin' Fresh is my OG name. <laughs> a lot of popping, but I was like the utility dude where I can kind of do everything. You know what I'm saying? I got flares, I got head spins, I got I had everything. Maybe like the other brothers had something like better crabs or better mm, swipes. Mm, or better, You know what I'm saying? But I, I can do it all. I probably had the best head spins. But then... <laughs> We got very popular. We won. We started winning all these breakdancing competitions in the Bay. We placed in the top three in like thirty-two breakdancing competitions in a year. Damn, it was like you during went out the weekends. To lots of jams and gang of jams, right? And so we was just rocking. And then we ended up starting getting paid. So we started doing like shows. We opened up for like Vanity and for like Ice T at these concerts at like the Stone and at like little things. And then we got picked up and we started. We did shows for the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. We did like the, the Oakland A's. Yeah. And then How old were you at this point? This is what happened. This is what happened. Then we got then we got scholarships to San Francisco Ballet Company. Oh, then we man. studied ballet, me and my brothers. Wow. We did the nutcracker. Now we're like officially professional dancers. And my mom was like, Y'all wanna like go from kind of being like these kind of bigger fish in this like small pond of the bay and like jump into the ocean that is mm-hmm. LA. I'm like, Yeah. So we jumped in the van and moved to LA. I was 10 years old. 10 years old. Damn. All that shit happened before I was 10. Wow. I still don't, I still like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I think about it now, look at my nieces and nephews, and I'm like, people are like, were y'all prodigies? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, we definitely weren't prodigies. We were just like, about it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? We were just about it. You're not prodigies, but you're probably looking at your nieces that's when you was like nine years old. You're like, you ain't doing shit. Nah, they killed it. No, my nieces. <laughs> you my, ain't doing shit. My niece played Cassandra Kane in, in, in Birds of Prey. And okay. She has a band. And uh, the, my, my other niece, who's like 12, she's the bass player. And she directed, she already directed her first short. Okay, then we ain't doing shit. Yeah. And then my, my, my nephew's a drummer in the band and they all act and they all got well, their so college. Do you come paper. from like a family of artists and entertaining? We like are this, now. Yeah. Now, okay. but we were the first generation that started doing it, then our whole generation, a lot of my cousins. He's what are you Pino? That means yeah. everybody's just. Well, what about your parents, though? My parents were, you know, not really. My parents were like, you know, my military. Okay. All my, you know, all my, my dad was military. My grandfather was military. All my uncles. Both sides, my my grand my mom's side too. So it's more like the military World War II vets that came to America, Filipinos, and then you know try to get into the American thing. And yeah. My my uncles and stuff were military, but then we became artists, and then a lot of people in my generation 
a lot of my cousins became artists. Some went to Broadway, did some stuff on Broadway, other become filmmakers, other mm. things like that. So it's kind of cool that we kind of led the way in that now, a new generation. Right. Now it's like almost weird, you know, like my nephews are like, my niece like, ah, like, I want to be a doctor. Like, what? <laughs> Who are you hanging out with? You're trying to be a doctor? Like, You're trying to be no, a no, doctor? No, no, no. You no, no, no. Be You're artist. hanging out with weird people, bro. You need to go write some poetry. <laughs> Do your nieces and nephews look at you and like, damn, my uncle's cool? Or are, are, are you just uncle? I don't know, Uncle man. Dante. I like to think that we're cool, but I... <laughs> You never, these kids are so cool now. They're so yeah, cool. Yeah. But it, it is cool. Like my niece, Ella J. Bosco, who's also my goddaughter. Like I'm her Ninong in Filipinos. Like Ninong is pretty important. Like she calls me Ninong. She starred in this movie, Birds of Prey, Margot Robbie. She plays Cassandra Kane, who's like the new Batgirl kind of girl mm-hmm. in DC. And so when she was coming out, um, I got to take her a bunch of parties and like the Golden Globes party and introduce her folks and like the unforgettable Asian gala, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and so yeah. it was really cool to kind of take your niece out yeah. and be like a scene that I grew up in my whole life and be like, oh, this is my niece. Like next generation is yeah. coming up. So I think they think we're cool. I don't know. Who the heck is <laughs> cool enough? Yeah. Cool enough. Yeah. <laughs> so you came out here to pursue dance then. It wasn't even acting. We were dancers, yeah. Yeah. We so, came out as straight up dancers. Okay. And then even as dancing, like we did, we danced a lot. We did the Michael Jackson video, Baby Bad, Moonwalker. You know, the oh, Moonwalker yeah. with the kids where they did the yeah. bad kids. Me and my brother Dion was, I was actually understudying Dion in that video. You know, they do like two casts for the thing. So, but we were part of that cast. And so we danced for Mike. And I was like, That's which crazy. was crazy. Yeah. But then we quickly found out like, this is a, movie and television town like this town is a tv town you know what i'm saying and then uh, i stopped dancing was like i remember my last dance audition i was like i can't do this anymore i told my dance teacher like i can't go anymore but when we were here dancing we was like i danced for op and for adidas and we did the mag shows for years and part of the whole dance i'm still part of the dance scene like i still got my you know i know you guys i know a lot of different generations of dancers dancers that become choreographers i finally got to do a dance film in my career called Take the Lead with Antonio Banderas. And for yeah. me, that was like a full circle situation. So I really love, I mean, I still, I always feel like once a dancer, always a dancer. I'm still a dancer. Yeah. In my mind. I'm still a hip hop artist. Like. You got to prove it. You got to get on stage. Yeah, no, I'm down a boogie. I'm down a boogie. <laughs> I mean, I, if I'm in a club. He's definitely getting down for sure. But I always tell folks like, man, I'm, I'm a B-boy. Yeah. Like we're in, like, I've been in an interview with some old serious cast and be like, yo. That's what it's funny that you mentioned the club because I was actually you probably don't remember that's the first time I met you I met you at a club you were hanging out with Sean Evaristo oh yeah Sean's a homie yeah I think it was a federal bar maybe I think in NoHo and I think you guys were working together we were doing a film that never came there's all these films that kind of happened and never done but you know Sean is a beast and we were doing a movie called Boogie Town oh that was the movie that so we. A hell of the homies auditioned for that movie. Yeah. We we all made crews and we did like all the battle sequences and I it was remember, a great concept for yeah. a film. I'm so mad it didn't. That was a Marcus right. Houston one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. And like Cabo was in there too. Yeah. I had a crew with it was Lando, me. Lando's the beast. I remember Lando. Yeah, yeah no, we did we meet during that time. We did meet during okay. that time, and then uh, but yeah, I remember we were so stoked on it because the concept was dope, super. And then it just just didn't happen. The movie never came out. You probably could Google see some stuff, but it was essentially about a black crew versus an Asian crew. And it wasn't too long after you got served and stuff, so right. it was right off the heels of that. Yeah, and yeah. who? I mean, like, who's else? Who's on the black side? It was a. 
I mean, was it? It was Marcus Houston. It was Marcus Houston. He was kind of leading it, but like. But Omarion Omar was I on set. So. Oh, was there? Oh, wasn't there some sort of like vampire concept in there too? Yeah, something? there was, right? There was something weird. Yeah, there was something weird about it. I was like, like I, yeah, I didn't get too involved in the story. I was like, you know. Yeah. But uh, there was something weird. But but the dance, the dance sequence we The dancing was dope. That we did do were dope. But I don't know if they finished the rest of the film or not. Yeah, yeah, it definitely didn't get made. Brenda's song yeah. was in it on the Asian yeah, side. That's right. And uh, I was in it, and it was it was it was gonna be dope. Mm. So dancing was what brought you out here, and then you decided like, okay, this town is like the film and TV town. So then, what what was the thing that kind of boosted you to be pursuing the acting side? Just instantly, man. It's like my mom is like one of them. My parents were blue, you know. They're still, you know, blue collar Filipinos from the Bay, and then blue collar Filipinos from LA. They went through some bad business deals as their them and their crew. The, the, the how the folklore goes, my my mom, my my dad's never been a great businessman, so he's a telephone man. But him and his friends got together to do some business, some real estate stuff. One of their homies took off with the money. Oh no! He basically bankrupted the crew, which is crazy to think about it. And we're you know we're the kids kind of just dancing, doing our stuff. And my mom was like, "Hey, you know, I let you run with it one way, and it didn't." go which is all good you know stuff happens i want to bet on our kids Hmm. and so basically we jumped into a van our van our maroon van and like a hundred bucks my and my dad's like gave us a a year he's like y'all got a year to make something happen or you gotta come home you know Hmm. and we came to la and then we started out as dancers but then my mom was like these kids gotta act because this is an acting town so we got an agent got her an acting class she like did some old Filipino pray on it, circled her name, <laughs> found a teacher, became our teacher for like for better or worse, for good and bad, for like twenty years, which was some great things happened, some bad things happened, but we definitely learned how to act. And then I I kind of booked my first job. I'm not basically I went and booked my first job, and then kind of just ran from there and mm-hmm. just continued to work my whole since I was ten. What was your first job? I played a Native American kid. I played I played an mm. Indian Native okay. American in this show called The Wizard. A few lines on the show called The Wizard, which was like some show about a toy a toy maker back in the eighties. And it was like a you know. Yeah. Dang, you grew up in that primetime entertainment world. You could play like seven hundred different I was races. Everything, dude. I, yeah, one hundred percent. You could play Latino. Yeah, I played half my half my resume is Mexican or Puerto That's Rican. That's yeah. amazing. I mean, they didn't even know what a Filipino was. When we when I mm-hmm. first got here, Filipino was gone not even they look at you like what is filipino and it's like the good thing about being filipino is it's a mixture of a lot of things yeah you know what i'm saying we're like we are the asian latinos we're like (laughs) asian and latino so i'll be in and i'm a young hustler kid right and i'm like what's the role they're like it's mexican i'm like well you know filipinos like the same thing (laughs) like we got colonized by spain just like mexico we are we have spanish they're like we are latino like that oh Oh, what's the role? It's Chinese. Oh, you know my 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 mom, my grandma on my dad's side. You know she's like half Chinese, she's part Chinese. Like we're in Asia. Like, Uh oh, what's the role? It's Vietnamese bullshit. Southeast Asia. Like they they see our cousins. Like we the same thing. So I mean, you just kind of get your groove on like that. But then we also grew up in the hood, so it's like I didn't realize then, but what I realize now is like. It uh, you know my career opened up a whole kind of mark not a market but just a perspective that never existed in Hollywood before oh, I got yeah. here right mm-hmm. 
Like people, yeah. You like, was you still around in a time where a bunch of white people was playing Chinese people, in right? Movies. Mm. Let alone a cool Asian person that was hip hop. Luckily, I got roles. Like when I was on Fresh Prince, I didn't play the stereotypical like nerdy Asian dude. I was a jock. That was dumb. Hmm. But I was Ashley's boyfriend. But I was a dumb jock. But I'm Asian. They're like, whoa, this is super weird. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but and Ashley was. And Ashley was fine. Oh my! And then I God. ended up going on to make a movie later on with her, where she played my girlfriend in a movie called Fake in the Funk, where I play an Asian kid adopted by a black family. Pam Greer plays my mom. Ernie Hudson plays my father. Wow. And yeah, so I got to open up a you know a new lane in Hollywood where people be like, that did not exist right. before you got here. The idea of like an urban. Asian person, right. a hip hop Asian person, you know, a cool people, Asian, a cool. I mean, yeah, most people say, say, most that. people say, like you're the cool, like you're the first cool Asian I've ever seen on film in Hollywood. Right. A whole generation, like you're yeah. the first cool Asian we ever saw. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Which opened up the the door for casts like Tim Delgado. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or or certain casts that came down the line, and and there was other guys in my generation, Asians that were great, that are our friends, John Cho, mm-hmm. casts like that that had great careers, but it was like. We were different. Like if me and John for the same role, it's like, well, there's one way to go mm. about it, and then there's like Dante was like a whole nother mm. bag of you know whatever. Plus your name's Dante. That's already plus cool my name's Dante. I know. <laughs> what? It's like a blessing and a curse. That's the whole it. thing because people be like, it's cool that you kind of create this lane, but then the other, the other thing weird is like when you're going out, they write, they finally write some Asian roles, and then you walk in the room and like. Is it the kind of Asian we like? What kind of Asian are you? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Looking wise and vibe wise. Mm. Like, I read for Harold and Kumar, right? I'm the first person that, you know, remember wow, Harold, and Harold yeah. Kumar, and John kills Harold and Kumar. But I'm like, I remember I read for Harold. They brought me in for Harold and Kumar, and they're like, you're the first person we're meeting for Harold and Kumar. I was like, cool. And we're doing the script, and the guys. And you're reading for Kumar, right? I'm, no, I'm reading for Harold. <laughs> you can go either. You can read for either. No, I'm reading for Harold, and they're like, we gotta stop you right now. Not like, what? They're like, we can't hire you for this. I'm like, what? He goes, nah, man. Like, you just are. Um, because I was like in the room, kind of like hyped to do the role, and I'm like, there's a role. There's a Latino girl. I'm like, oh, you're my, you know, I, I can get the script to like Rosario Dawson. She's, a, you know, I know Ro, I know Ro, and she might be cool for this. And then we were like chopping up like that, and then we started doing the role, and, and she's like, mm, we can't hire you for this. I'm like, what? They're like, you're great, but you're not Harold. They're like, why? I'm like, why? They're like, well, Harold has to be scared of the girl. I said, right, he goes, Dante, you walk in, it's like, we think you already fucked the girl. <laughs> I said, what? They're like, that's just how you come off. I'm like, I could play that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then they're like, no, no, like, you, they, they literally said, you say you can get the script for Rosario Dawson? I said, yeah. They said, how do you know Rosario Dawson? I said, huh? <laughs> they're like, did you ever, did you, do you date, do you date? I'm like, I mean, the, the, that's what we're saying. You can't. They're like you can't play Harold, bro. Wait, like, so you oh, went on a date with Rosario Dawson? We did when we were younger. Yeah. Yo, when we were, we were kids, like kids, kids. She still know? look fine, even no, in Star Wars was, tentacles. Oh, yeah. She's a homie forever. She's a homie forever. Like when we were kids, so she's like, but like the idea is like you're not Harold. You're not the idea of what we right. wrote it for. Like, yeah, you're not Harold. But I, I would could, love I to look play Harold. You're mm-hmm. not Harold. Ben's not Harold. I'm more Harold than both of y'all. I, you're John not Harold. John Cho's like my John doppelganger. Yeah. You look like John Cho. And I like not at all yeah. fucked Rosario Dawson. So I feel like we're <laughs> A-OK. And we're all good. Yeah. You know, when you say that, though, like, you bring that vibe of 
yeah, the cool Asian guy. I mean, my first finding out who you were was through Hook. Oh, yeah. The leader of the Lost Boys. I'm like, damn, this fool is badass. You know what I mean? Like the way that you came off and you came off like the... Not like a gang leader, but I mean, you know, this is obviously like Peter Pan's yeah, story, but you you had yeah, that. Was a gang. Yeah, it was a gang. It was a gang. But like, I was like probably what, in like fourth grade or something like fourth, fifth grade when that came out. And it, it wasn't even registering to me that like you were this Asian guy. It was just like, I want to be like that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there's something that I feel connected to this guy. And it was your character it was the confidence that you put out and and then it was kind of me feeling like i feel like i want to be like this guy and that was the first time for me as a kid right. um outside of like the bruce lee's and things no, like that you know bruce what i mean lee, i was like bruce. bruce lee was that dude that like of course like yes you are the superhero for asians but you to me you were somebody that i felt like i can almost relate to that I, it felt tangible. Right. Now, you know what I'm saying? Like, Bruce Lee to me was like, okay, I'm not going to be this martial artist, like, super hero type dude. I feel like I can kind of maybe figure out how to kind of get inspired by this dude. It right. felt a little bit more tan. And, and I don't mean that in a, like, no, you were no, on a lower thing. Like a, it was like an Amazon Prime superhero. <laughs> you know what I mean? Versus... No, I think it's, I mean, I think that's representation. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I mean, I've been doing cons for the last few years and, 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 and engaging with a fan base and from a, especially generation group, but Rufio is like, it's wild when it's like, you know, anyone that connected, women, men, white guys, like, whoa, like, you know, mm -hmm. but when Asian Americans connect with, I get it. Cause it's like, hey, yo, for us to see ourselves on screen in any capacity, and it's like a plethora of Asians, whether it be Filipinos or Koreans or Chinese yeah. or Indian, it's like, yo, growing up, my friends at school call me Rufio. And I'm like, well, then you, I mean, you was a cool, the cool yeah, Asian guy. Yeah. Like, I know who you were at school then. You know what I'm saying? Or how, yeah, how people right. saw you as one of those dudes. And I think it, it's important. It's not something that you do, you think about when we're doing it. When I'm doing it, I'm 15. You know what I'm saying? I'm cocky or whatever. I'm trying to do my thing. But you're walking with gods. I mean, I've, I would start acting when I was 10. I've been, I was studying religiously for, I mean, I religiously studied for 20 years. So five years into it, I'm studying and I know very well who, Dustin Hoffman is very well. I know all his films. I know Robin Williams very well from Mork and Minnie to The World According to Garb to like these. I know how they've impacted the industry. I know that they're greats. They're gods. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? I know who Steven Spielberg is to the nth degree. And so I would come to work on my days off. My days off, dude, just to like sit next to the camera and like watch these guys work. Yeah. I'm like, man, I tell young artists, like, if you have the good fortune, even when I'm talking with you guys, right, when, hanging out with y'all, and you're in, the, you're in the presence of greatness, you better go see it. You better go take the time to sit there, absorb it. Seeing Spielberg direct, seeing, you know, Hoffman act, do character work, seeing Robin Williams do improv work. Is it if is it equivalent of us being able to sit in a room with Picasso, watch him do some mm. strokes, sit in a symphony hall with Mozart, watch totally. him conduct? That's what these guys are. That's what y'all are in dance wise. Yeah. You know, we we're around greats. The, the closest thing that we had to that was Jackie Chan. Actually. Jackie Chan, dude. Mm, yo, we uh we had this moment when we were in China. We were about to leave. Right, I'm cool with his son, JC, and then you know we were just hanging out, and then he was like, hey. Uh, what are you guys doing today? And we're like, oh no, we're we're flying out today. And he's like, oh okay. And I was like, 
Why? Why? He's like, oh, you know, my dad's in town. Nah, we gotta and, kick it. And, yeah, go. and he's like, and he's uh, he's shooting his movie like just a little bit gotta away go. in the city. We're like, oh my god, all right, we're, we're gonna stop by. We had all our bags packed. We get into this minivan in China. We go like an hour out of the city. We stop by this spot, and then uh, people are filming and stuff. This dude JC comes out with a fucking scooter and stuff, and he like <laughs> brings us in, right? And then uh, we go in, and they're in the middle of shooting. We go in and we sit down, and everybody's like, shh. They bring us to this room, and right in the next room, Jackie's filming, right? And he's directing this movie. So he's got this chick who's sitting in this chair, his lead actress, uh, some sort of drama and stuff. The camera's just panning on this, like, on this track, and, and she's got this music instrument, and she's supposed to, like, just, like, play something. It's all in Chinese. Nobody knows what the fuck's going on, right? And they do this take maybe two, three, you remember this, right? They do this take like two, three times and he's trying to coach her and she's not really like hitting it perfect or anything. And we're just watching a video village, right? So all of us are kind of just like holding our breath, like we don't, what's going on? We hear his voice, but we know the aura is here. We feel the presence, right? Next thing you know, he like stops it. She gets out of the screen. We're watching on the video village and he sits in there and this is like, you're watching a sitcom, sitcoms is a moment where we're just like fully applauding, right? But obviously we had to be quiet. He sits down and then he's, he's basically like, this is how you do it. And then he starts doing his whole thing. You know, he's so dedicated yeah. with his eyebrows and shit. He closes his eyes. He like gets into an emotional place with his fucking round nose and shit. It's all cute, right? <laughs> and he does this epic shit. And he's like, that's how you do it, basically, right? And she sits back down. And then he's like, all right, we're going to take a break. Everything starts getting live. The doors open. All these people run, rush over. They're getting the way. They're clearing the road for this god, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. legend on life. And he walks over to like, Check out the video village. We're trying to back up, pretend like we don't exist because we're not trying right, to be right, in this right. fucking breathing space using his oxygen, right? <laughs> and then all this kind of passes and he's like, oh, we're going to break for lunch. And that's when his son introduces us. And then they're like, hey, uh, this is the Kinjas. Like, oh, the Kinjas, yeah. Your choreography is fucking sick. All of us nearly shat the bed right there. Like none of us had, and, and I swallowed my whole heart. You know what right. I mean? And then uh, one thing leads to another. They got to like go on a break and stuff. They're like, hey, let's get a picture. He's totally cool with that. We, we get there. We pose for a picture. We posted this. We posted fucking every single time on his birthday and stuff. It's the best thing ever. We post this photo. He says something in Chinese to his son real quick. And he walks away. Right? And his son's like, oh, no, 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 no. But again, I look at him like, hey, what'd he say? He's like, no, no, no. You guys are leaving, right? I was like, hey, what'd he say? He's like, oh, no. He invited you guys to dinner. But you guys are leaving. <clears throat> And I remember just turning around. The whole squad looks at me. They're like, and then I look at our, our, our homie Eli. I'm like, hey, can we change our flights? <laughs> and straight up, all of us, all of us pony up maybe like two hundred fifty dollars each. It. We all change our flights. We go out and eat king crab with this dude. Let's go. And he's just sitting at this table watching our YouTube videos. And this is straight up. I'm gonna. We're gonna be repeating this story to like our grandkids. It's no, one of the gotcha. most glorious things. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Gotcha. When you're in the room with the legend, you gotta just be there. Yeah. You just gotta be there. Yeah. And you just hope some of it rubs off on you somewhere. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. Because it's the other thing is this this whole art form, filmmaking, and you know, dance. Everything, it's a craft, mm -hmm. and it's put. You know, it's passes down. It's not just passed down through what you study. You got to be around the greats and see. There are things that you may not even understand, and you just gotta be a sponge and absorb it. And, go, and you were talking about how yeah. Dustin Hopkins was giving you a hard time. You give me a hard time, little. Who did I tell you that? Yeah, you told us on JK uh, News. <laughs> he was pushing me he was pushing me you know he was pushing me and i didn't know how to take it as a young actor but mm. he's a method dude and he was playing captain hook and i was his adversary and he was like oh i'm gonna push you mm -hmm. 
intakes, between takes, like, you know, there's no off time. Wow. My dude's Captain Hook the whole time. Right. I'm like, all right, this is how it's going to be. But I, I worked him down a little bit because I started, I wanted to talk to him about acting, you know? And so I really came to the set, even though he was looking at me as an adversary for many, many, many days that was stressing my young ass out. Because <laughs> I'm like, I look up this dude. I would come to set and I would be like, I just watched Lenny last night, like in this scene. Like, what were you thinking? Mm-hmm. He's like, what? It's like I just watched <laughs> I just watched Kramer vs. Kramer last night. Like when you when this was happening, like you know, and he's like, what is that? And I was reading his biography. Like, and it's not I wasn't like trying to brown nose. I was right. like, this is real like You're doing your homework. I'm doing my yeah. homework. I'm like wanna know like what's yeah. popping, you know? And so by the time it came to my death scene, I was like, yeah, man, I've never been, I've never, I knocked on his trailer door, like, Mr., you know, Dustin, Mr. Hoffman, like, I'm, I'm, I got to do this death scene. I've never, I've never done a death scene of advice. And he's like, he's like, I'll be there, kid. And he was like my acting coach for the whole wow. death scene. It's crazy. Crazy. That's crazy. That's tight, man. Wild. <clears throat> so, I mean, the greats are there and like, if they kind of like sniff it on you, like, oh, you're an actor. Because we all do it. Like, I've, done, I've been acting for 37 years. You you act. And what I've learned from a lot of great actors, too, you kind of deal with people from who they are. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you know, it's a new actor. You deal with as a new actor. Like, you do, you know, first someone's a personality, you kind of deal. You have fun with what they do, and you kind of bring out what you do, and you do it. But then when you when you see an actor, when an actor sees an actor, when a dancer sees a dancer, it's the same thing. It's like you walk in a club, and you're like, mm. Okay, like mm-hmm. yeah, it's the truth. You can smell it's the, the truth. truth. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. I want to see sometime tonight, sometime during this performance of the day, we are going to get to tango, mm-hmm. and we're gonna we're gonna get it for real. And it really changes things. You know what I'm saying? When I did take the lead, I mean, I got to play this character. I mean, like I'm 29 playing the high school. I've done this character. Me, mm-hmm. I mean, I always play the cues, kind of like a badass. We actually kind of good kid. And then I'm doing this scene. The director wrote me a letter. She's like, you you really changed. Antonio Banderas' performance two times in this movie. I saw what you did in, in in takes, and it changed what Antonio did. And I go, well, I mean, my back of my mind, I'm like, well, if I can't play this character, I can't play any character. But I also understand, like, when actors are with actors, and we're going to play, like, we're going to, like, really mm-hmm. give each other something. I approach acting first and foremost as a B-boy, right? When going to auditions, it's like, they go, like, why did you, and, you know, some people hate auditions. I go, well, I love auditioning because it's a battle. Like you going in and really you competing against yourself. It's about mm-hmm. being able to show out at the moment when you're supposed to show out. Yeah, yeah. That's what it's about. Like not crumpling under the pressure. It's not necessarily about what they do or winning or losing to them. That's beside the point. You you grow up and you understand. I'm not really battling them. I'm actually just battling myself. When I was directing my film, this is fabulous. Uh, Filipino fabulous Filipino brothers. brothers. Yeah. So the actress Lisa Lapira, who not she, we just met her, so we hired her for this. But then all my brothers are in the film, the fabulous Filipino brothers. My brothers, they've been acting as long as I have. They're all gangsters. Like we're all thirty-five years in the industry. And so my brother Darian, amazing. Yeah, you know, he might be. You know, you know, with the brothers, I was like, who's the best actor? He's, yeah, he's pretty good. <laughs> he's like the Pacino like of the bunch. And so we're doing the scenes and I'm doing the scenes with them. And then, you know, we're, of course, we're like the coverage, like ladies first, you know, and we let Lisa do her thing and she's doing the stuff in, in the restaurant. And then I flip the camera around and do Dar stuff and Dar does some, like some stuff where it's like when you're acting, any art, dancing, anything, it's like when someone hits a certain chord, music, like the, 
the air in the room changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh shit, like that shit was crazy, you know? Yeah. And you're totally. and I'm behind the camera like directing, just giving little notes, but like pushing them, and then it goes there, and then it's like, after we did the scene, Lisa was like, looked at me, and she's like, look, I'm going. I'm going second next time, like you know. Oh, she's yeah, like, but, yeah, yeah. but that's that's what actors do. I you love feel that. it. And she's like, like nah. we know that's exactly yeah. like, how I'm going it is in the second dance room too. next time. Yeah. Fuck that. He ain't gonna do that shit. And yeah. then I need to know what he's gonna do so I can do what I'm gonna do. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. But that's. I mean, I love that with actors. Mm-hmm. Like that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to push each other yeah. to like do more, mm-hmm. do something mm-hmm. unexpected. Do we push our push our limits Absolutely. a little bit? Absolutely. Yeah. What was the thing that pushed you to step into the director's role from being an actor to actually want to sit in the director's seat? Yeah. I never aspired to be a director. I love directors. It's just stories, man. Like, we're just storytellers. Was this a story that you had written as well? Yeah, I wrote the story. Mm-hmm. Me and my brother Dar actually wrote this story. But this story's been in my head for a while, and it became a you know family fair because it's all inspired by my family. It's starring my family. It's about stories from my family. About 10 years ago... When I was doing Avatar, like Mako passed away, who played my uncle Iroh, right? He played my uncle Iroh, and Mako had been—he played my uncle, my father, several times in my career since I was twelve, and then he passed away doing Avatar, and he, and he's like an uncle Iroh character to me. You know, he's been someone who I can touch base with throughout my whole career, my whole. He was like the uh, the fatter guy in the cartoon, yeah, in the that cartoon, had, like the old hair, but he was like on your side. He's and on he my was side, really nice, Uncle Iroh. Yeah, the, even though he was a fire temple, right? Totally. But Mako, wow. as an actor, is one of the most prolific Asian American actors in the last fifty years in Hollywood. He's nominated for an Oscar for Sand Pebbles with Steve McQueen. He's been in so many tons of credits, and he he's one of the co-founders of East West Players. Which is the the yeah. Asian American theater yeah. in Los Angeles, which is the longest running Asian American theater or people of color theater in America. Wow, which is crazy, yeah. and it's a theater that I did plays in, continue to do stuff in, wrote plays in, been a part of what I've been doing, and so I even learned from him in his passing, like, oh, like it's about it's not about you anymore, just about you. It's about passing it on to the next generation. When I started producing films, Asian films with Asian leads. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> like my, mm. my white friends that are Hollywood, they're like, why are you doing this? Like, you know, you we got this kid or that kid, we could probably get more budget. I'm like, no, no, that's not about, that's not what we're trying to do. You know, we're what it is is I'm trying to get films with like people that look like me to, that's what the story's about. The yeah. people that kiss at the end of the movie should be look like us, like me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? I'm like, because it's it representation. I had this whole thing and started We on the 8th with Adrian Raphael. And we did all these four years of talking about Asian filmmaking. And a lot of these conversations led up to things like Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. By the time Crazy Rich Asians hit, um, I love John Chu. He hit me up. He's like, we got to talk. Everyone's saying, like, you're the one on, with the boots on the ground talking about what's been going on. And kind of being a part of that process, very little just to be able to kind of talk to him about the community and representation and everything. Because, you know, John had not done an Asian film until then. And it's important. And then all of a sudden, the people that were kind of second guessing what I was doing on the indie film side were like, oh, I get it. Now I get it. That's just a big answer to say, then it became to me my turn to direct after producing like eight films or so. It was like my producing partner was like, you, you know, you got some? I'm like, yeah. And then just how things happen, you were pitching like three, four projects at a time usually. And sometimes, you know, I had this one film in my back pocket and one production company in the Philippines really loved it and, got, and gave us the funding for it. And so. I was like, okay, I guess I'll direct this one. I'll direct mm. it. 
And, That's uh, amazing. Yeah, again, and I, I, I dug it. You know. Um, so you're gonna do another one? I'm gonna do a few. I think I have a few. That dance movie that you're gonna dance movie. I have a few. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girly? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, nothing. No tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Can I ask you a question? You had mentioned something earlier, like nonchalantly breezed over, but I knew I was going to hold on to it. You were talking about how you were taking coaching, acting coaching lessons. Uh, you had an acting coach for like 20 years. You said great things happen and not so great things. I'm 37 years deep, right? And I was a child actor. And so I always tell people, like, hey, man, if, you was in a, if you've been in Hollywood for like 10 years, 20 years plus, like, if you ain't got an E True Hollywood story, <laughs> you ain't really doing, you ain't really mm -hmm. done this town right, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's people, there's, there's trauma that happens. You're working at such a young age. You're idealistic. You're really, you know, you have a lot of passion for these creative things that are like very intangible. And, and things happen. Man, there was times where I didn't, I didn't talk to my parents for seven years. Which is crazy, which kind of was a part of this whole acting school that became very cultish at a time in my the life. The acting school yeah, was cultish. The, the acting school became very cultish. And, um, and there's a lot of issues there, but it's a very, it's always like a catch 22 or like a kind of a double edged sword. Cause like in art, like you have these masters that you see, you know, part of the cycle is like, you know, seek out a master, become a master, pass it on. That's like, that's art, that's martial arts, that's yeah. artistry. That's what we do. That's dance. That's everything. But sometimes you you get connected to some cats that you look up to that they're going through their thing, and you get caught up in their whirlwind for a few years, and damage happens. And you know, I try to keep a peace in my mind and 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 just hope, you know, I hope no one met any ill will at anything that was happening. It's just how how things worked out, and I try to take my responsibility in aspects of of your life and your career and whatnot. But yeah, not just with the acting school with <coughs> management and agents and damage and you know abuses that you know emotional physical thing i mean it runs the gambit when you're in a town this mm -hmm. long and you're especially a a family that didn't know anybody a very we wet behind the ears kind of thing and we had each other um but that being said we also went through a lot of ups and downs it's like what happened here what happened there like you know man like believe me there's there's things that happen and some of the stories aren't even for me to say you know what i'm saying there's totally. stories that happen within the family that's like i'm gonna leave other people in the family to tell those stories yeah but it, it affects all of us yeah. and it's not you know it's 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 great we have a great careers and we do great art but also there nothing's free in this town mm. nothing's free mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not gonna press. And <laughs> yeah, have you, uh, Kathy's like okay. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna have you dive because that's a very PC and a very mature yeah. uh, way to answer a question like that. Means you've had to do some work yourself. You know what I mean? Oh to, yeah. To understand and internalize those those understandings and the lessons from that. But uh, I guess to almost get to something positive from it, yeah. like it, let's say there's a young child actor. You know oh, what totally. I mean? Today, like from your experiences relative to that, like what would you say? 
or what advice would you give to somebody who's trying to get into the game? Man, it's hard. You know, I always say, look, it's part of the game. You know what I'm saying? It's like be true to yourself. Watch out. I, I mean, I wrote a book called Rufio from Rufio to Zuko, and I and I kind of talk about some of the stuff just to give, you know, any young artist, especially Asian American kids that come in, like these are some potholes I ran into. Like, don't you're gonna you're gonna hit potholes. Yeah, like try not to hit. Can't these. be avoided. But Can't yeah. be avoided. But don't try not to hit these potholes. Don't lose yourself. We lose. You lose yourself. You can lose yourself in this industry. Mm. And I'm thankful that the times I may have lost my way or lost who I was, I didn't die. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I have friends that did not make it out of child acting to adulthood. You know what I'm saying? Whether it be drugs or, or anything, or or just went home. And that's also. Uh, not a death. I mean, I think I respect everyone's journey and their process. And I think as a younger artist, I used to think some type of way, oh, you you couldn't take it in this town. You know what I'm saying? But then now, me as an older actor, and I'm like, yo, man, enjoy. I mean, I'm glad you had the time. You took go home and like share your story with the next generation. Let them, you know, surpass what you did here, which is great. Um, but as far as advice is like. You have to be vulnerable. You have to reveal yourself. You have, but be smart and try not to lose yourself in the validation of others or valuing yourself. You know, this town can drive you crazy, man. Yeah. Who you are and what your worth is, you know, we've all done it. We've all like put our worth on some extraneous thing in this town, whether it's money 100. or credits. Or fame clout. Now you got social media with likes and followers, and it's it's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like mm. it's part of it. Like and go through it. I'm not even saying don't do it. If you don't do it, what are you? What are we doing? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's part. Of, yeah. It's part of the process. But you're gonna get to a place where you understand that fame is just a tool. You need to actually understand who you actually are. Mm-hmm. Know who you are. Don't forget that no matter what your bank account says, no matter what your social profile says, keep a strong click around you that is really, mm. that really know, you know and root for each other as people. You know what I'm saying? I was lucky that my brothers and my sister, my family as being close ties and my really close group of friends that I found through my acting class that had a lot of damage connected to it. But we, we all found each other and still rock with each other 20 plus years. So it's like, find your your tribe and like keep them close the real people keep mm-hmm. them close because this town could eat you up your experience is going to be definitely reflected in the company you keep mm. so it's like if you find your click like the real people that you respect as people and as artists people and in the art that they do mm-hmm. you're in an industry where you're playing a part right you, you know you you get a role and you get known for that role and some people they take that and, and get offended. It's like yo yo yo, I, don't call me Rufio. My name's Dante. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like, did you have any moment where you felt like you didn't want to be associated with like being pigeonholed into yeah. one character? No, I'm sure. I mean, that's like it was like almost 30 years ago, and I'm sure I've gone through ups and downs of that as a young actor. It's a blessing and a curse. Like there's certain things I got, you know, I get love for getting rooms because of Rufio. There's certain things I didn't get because mm-hmm. you're like. I remember I got offered some role. It was with Steven Spielberg. I got do this role, and he called me up in the middle of doing this. We're about to do this movie, and he's like, "You can't do this role, Dante." He called me up at wardrobe. I'm like getting trying on my clothes. I'm like, we can't do it. I'm like, what? He's like, "You're just too recognizable to play this role." I can't. I can't. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, what role did it end up being? 
He's like E.T. No, it was for yeah. it was it was for a role in AI, and I was like, it's oh, kind of cool that Steven's calling me up, but I'm like, I'm at the wardrobe. Like, am I still getting paid? Like, what's my <laughs> <laughs> yeah? But I mean, look at the end of the day, everyone comes to Hollywood, thousands of people every damn day. You know what I'm saying? In hopes to do something that will be remembered. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Tell, and then, definitely. and I've happened to, you know, catch one when I was young, caught one again, like Rufio and Zuko, like characters that became iconic or impactful for gener- their generations. And I've done a ton of other things that I really love that are been impactful to other communities and other things. And, and I continue to work and I really love that. But to have these things that are really touchstones for people is phenomenal mm-hmm. you know when i first started doing comic cons it's very strange i didn't grow up in the comic con where i didn't grow up in the nerd world <laughs> the being, nerd world the yes. geek world you know what i'm saying but but being in the last decade or so i really got to embrace my own inner geek and nostalgia mm-hmm. and all that stuff and and find out the story the stories and the that really touched me because at the end of the day it's like it's just great stories we just want to be part of great stories whether it be Star Wars or Star Trek or Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones, like these are great fucking stories. And I was a part of a few, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I always tell people like the greatest part of storytelling and filmmaking is like when you do a project, we do projects, we do a movie, but our movie or our story becomes your story. Mm-hmm. Once it's your story, you know what I'm saying? We won, like it means so much to you in your life because of reasons I can't even get into that's the craziest thing about being a part of the con world it's like i at first i was like yo i don't know i'm like some has been walking around this fucking weird world and then i was like oh no these people care about the story more than most people Hmm. and actually these are actually the people that are the arbiters of taste that are going to tell us what the next stories that are great are going to be because these people are in tune with it Mm -hmm. and i learned so much engaging and talking to the fan base and becoming a fan of my own stuff and tapping into what you know because it goes back to like that 12 13 year part of you that's like geeks out from watching that show or that dance or that person and it's like that is there's something magical in that and to kind of tap into that you know helps i think helps me as an artist like create something i want to create whether it be for you know stories or artists or or the people i want to work with or also just keep going to things i want to like remember what it felt like to be a kid and wanted to just rock and why and who were those people that were rocking that really really made that light glow in you like when you saw it you know what i'm saying as you keep talking about you know what you're you mentioned like the past stuff is a resume thing right you're you're always focused on the forward the what's next like what you're talking about is is the here and now the future and I think even, you know, as you're talking about, you know, kind of like having made it through, you know, this industry as a child actor, having gone through the ups and downs, seeing the dark sides and then the light side and all of it. And all of that brings you to Dante Bosco 2022 here today. Yeah. And and so we're always chasing some level of like, I'm doing this so that I can say at the end of the day, I, I, I did what I came to do. I, I right. achieved success. Um, and that term success, I think. I would love to even hear how that's evolved for you because I'm yeah. sure I one, once upon a time it's like yo once I do this I I made it right. I'm successful but then you know here we are today to present day um, I'd love to hear how that term has evolved that's into weird, it is right? today I think probably like you know as a kid like you know I, I want to win an Oscar I want you know all this kind of stuff and I think that's still cool I, 
I have some friends around that area. Then they've also kind of demystified that. Like, uh, it's not all what it's cracked up. There's a lot of politics and that stuff. But I think really when you come down to success, it's like, I mean, I've had days where I'm like, hey, if I don't work on another project, if I don't do another damn project, I'm good. Like, I'm good. If I don't do another gig, if I've done my last one, I'm good. I know what I did, which is freeing because then I go, then do whatever you want to do then. Like, then it's like, whatever. Like, now I can do whatever I want to do. So I, I do find some success in that. But then, you know, you want to have success in the sense of, like, you want to put down some great stuff before you go. Like, I feel, I still feel like I've done some great characters. It's just I, maybe Hopefully I got another one or two of me somewhere down the line. And that's the luck of someone writing something or being a part of the project going on. But then as a filmmaker now, it's like, I think there's a few stories I could tell that are like, that are going to, that could be great. That could be, you know, I could mm -hmm. touch some greatness. I could tell something great. I can be a part of something. It's always about, can I be a part of a great story? And you're trying to find that and do that. Or can you put someone else on that's going to, impact the whole landscape of what's going on i talked about my one of my producing partners in hawaii james serino kinetic films we did the first three films together and we we helped put on justin chan we produced justin chan's mm. first few films yeah justin has become this powerful force within the industry and blue bio that came out mm -hmm. and was hanging out with him and i'm so proud of him and and being a little part of 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 what helped him get started is important also yeah, yeah. like it's all success i think I think the older you get, the less the success is just you personally. Mm. And it's more about like the impact that you can have, you know, in a, a wider impact. Because when you're young, it's like, I just want to be known. I just want to get money. I just want to whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's important. But once you kind of have those things, it's like, what are you going to do with it? Mm. Like, like at the end of the day, who cares? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Totally. No one's tripping on your. No one's thinking about your career in the <laughs> middle of the night, except for you. Right. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which is cool, but there are things that you can do once you're established that can help the next generation mm -hmm. pass it on. Mm -hmm. This goes back to what we learned when we were younger. Was like, what I learned is, you know, seek out a master, become a master, pass it on. That's the cycle of. That's the cycle. And we're still in the cycle. It's like, if you got to a place where you think you have some masters some things you could put on the next generation, put them on. Mm. It's just only going to add to your legend, hopefully. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's good. That's good. Speaking of masters. Well, speaking of masters. That was just a good transition. That is something that we love to ask um, every guest on this show. The concept of mastery. The, the concept of putting in so much dedicated focus time energy blood sweat and tears into one single thing and uh bruce lee has this quote where he says i fear not the man who has practiced ten thousand kicks once but i fear the man who has practiced one kick ten thousand times right so you brought up the term master a couple times what is something in your life that you feel like you've put in that much focus into no it's just ten thousand hours right there you know like i said i studied acting for 20 years straight like me and my brother, not just me alone. Like we went again. It, there was some trauma involved, and there's things that happened that it got crazy. Where you're studying, you know, 
not for one year, not for four years, not a four-year college program, 20 years of conservatory training where it got to five days a week, voice, movement, scene study, play study, watching films, cinema, old classic study, and then you, you, it's a 10, 10,000 hours plus on top mm. of producing showcases and plays and sometimes acting under duress and stress. But yeah, you get to a point where like, you know what you do, you know what you can do, you know what you, you, you do. You become like Bruce Lee in a way where you, you, the, the concept of acting for me was like, you get to a place of acting where you don't act anymore. Mm. No more acting. You have control of your facilities and you've done the work on the character. So between action and cut, no longer act. If you're mad, then be mad. Don't act mad. Why act mad when you know how to actually, then you know there are 10 things you could be mad about right now. If you're going to kiss a girl, don't act like you're like, kiss the girl. You can't find a reason to love that girl. The discipline is, is to be, keep it between action and cut. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's throwing it out the window and go and get into that mastery place where you're like, I, I no longer want to act. I want to exist as a character in that moment as honestly as I can for the story and have the discipline to cut it when it's cut. You know what I'm saying? We didn't have that discipline when we were younger. It was dramas on sets, plays, hmm. scene partners, all kinds of stuff went on. You know what I'm saying? As in, you know, now it's like, we can do it. And when I'm with actors, especially the cats I grew up with, it's like, that's why it's great to direct them because I know what they can do. And I'm like, well, then do it. Like, let's, let's get it in. You know what I'm saying? I've been around the poetry scene for a long time and wrote a long time. I started a poetry venue in my living room 20 plus years ago and then that's Dante's Poetry Lounge, became DPL, the Poetry Lounge on Fairfax and Melrose, which inspired, became inspiration for Death Poetry Jam, went to Broadway, went to Tony, HBO, and we've been around the poetry scene and wrote tons and tons of poems for years with my, my co-founders, Sheehan and Poetry and Brother Jamel. And so, yeah, there's a there's a certain mastery I have over, over writing that I really love, especially my style of writing and how I want to tell stories. So I've got to do that. I mean, I always love dance. I, I you know, <laughs> stopped dancing a long time ago. Not stopped, but not, I stopped the pursuit of dancing. But I'm always a dancer in my soul. And uh, still today, I always say, like, that's the highest form of communication. Like, when my favorite thing in the world is to get lost on a dance floor to this mm -hmm. day. Because... Mm -hmm. There's so much conversation that we have non-verbally. The highest form of conversation is to communicate non-verbally. And musicians do it. I wish I was better as a musician to play, to be able to communicate through music. So seeing jam players jam and jam for hours and have all these conversations sonically without saying a word. I could do that through dance. And I've mm -hmm. seen it through dance. It's the same thing doing choreo, like doing a, a play or a movie. We know the lines. But saying the lines, doing the choreo, is not dancing. Mm. Saying the lines is not acting. It's a communication and what we're doing in between the lines, nonverbal, then now you're doing it. Now you're doing it. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, I got, I don't have mastery over dancing anymore, but I, you know, my heart's still there with dancing. But, mm. you know, dancer first, writer, actor, that That's kind dope. of stuff. That's dope. 
we'll see if we get there in filmmaking. We got we got a bunch of years to get there at the filmmaking one side. Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like well, for one, man, I wanted to just acknowledge the journey that you have lived through to even understand. Like, yeah, I have put in my ten thousand hours with a specific craft, whether it be dance, whether it be poetry, whether it be now going into directing and filmmaking. I think the thing that I I like get from this conversation is just a very like you know you say you kind of like you just know what your lane is it's like you know you said like I'm, i got just enough fame to like get me to a place where i can get into certain rooms but not too much where i get strangled by it or i get mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like but it's a very like you know your bag and you're right in it right. and then you also have this you know understanding of like success is not about me making it because I've already kind of done the me thing, but like, how can I put on for the future? How can I help other people? How can I build our community to be even stronger and larger and do even bigger things? And we're talking about budgets and, you know, things that we're not there yet. Like you have this very well-rounded, strong grasp of like where you're at and what you've done, but also where you're going. And like, it's, it's so it's inclusive of the community that you want to bring on because I, I can sense your passion for like, yeah, like, okay, if I was that dude that gave Asian dudes hope to be whatever perceived as like the cool kid, it doesn't stop there. Oh. What's the next thing, you know? And what's the next thing after that? Who's who's going to be the next person who who was the, the Dante, the Rufio character that's going to be able to kick down doors? So it's this very much like, it's not about just me doing me. It's like, if I can be a part of something to help others and grow this thing for everybody like that's where i want to be and like it's it's just really cool and even you acknowledging what we do you know with for dance and not only just dance but it's like what we are as an organization too for you to acknowledge that in us like that's an encouragement on our side you know what i'm saying like i think that's so huge so just wanted to acknowledge that man that's so dope i appreciate it i love the conversation i love the conversation y'all i mean we're all in the same wavelength yeah absolutely. you know and i think the fact that we're like all here and we're connected and we could talk and we can support and we could see each other what we're doing like we're in the right place like yeah, absolutely. it's horrible to be there and there's you feel like there's no allies hmm. but there's no one you know what i'm saying totally yeah when, when you were talking about earlier about like finding like a click of the right people you know what i mean it, it it's dope to to sit in this room and be like, oh yeah, we found that. Yeah, you know we found I mean? it. Yeah. That, that yeah. feels good, yeah. you know. It so. feels good. So what it is is you now hold each other accountable to keep creating. Yep. Support. Yeah. It's time to support, but also with everything that everyone does, you know, you 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 hold a you hold kind of like yourself accountable to like living up to that, mm-hmm. creating that. Don't get left behind. Create something that's on the level what everyone else is creating. And you know what I'm saying? It's like mm. you have to have that. Yeah. Yeah. Or else it's like Absolutely. you're just creating in a vacuum and you don't know if your stuff is even good or not. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Or you have 100. no marker to, mar- to to put it up to. We need a marker of each other. You know what I'm saying? And so that's how we improve. Yeah. Absolutely. Well said. But man, uh, we're a little bit short on time, but good. just want people to be able to continue to follow the journey, man. So how can people be up on the Dante? Yo, get at me. Just you know, just at Dante Bosco on Instagram and on Twitter, or at Rufio Zuko on TikTok. That's a gangster TikTok. Rufio Zuko, let's go. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. 
Dante, thank you so much for coming through, man, and spending some time with us, man. Thank you, guys. you. Thank you, man. Let's you, do it again. again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. As long as you're on time next time. You know, my bad. <laughs> shit, my bad. Anti-Asian on t- <laughs> off time. It's all good, Thank bro. you guys, man. No, Great combo, you. man. Thank hey, you guys yeah, so much. Yeah. Folks, thank you guys for tuning into this episode. If you're finding it for the first time, we got a whole bunch more before this. We have amazing guests like Dante that have graced the pod. Make sure you follow us on our socials, Kinja's Podcast, Cast with a K on IG, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. Hop onto your podcast platform. Leave us a five-star rating if you're digging what we're doing. Write us a review. And thanks for tuning in. We'll see you guys next time. Kinja bang, y'all. Peace.